You are listening to the podcast that's basically a book club. Welcome to the Book Leggers. Welcome back to the Book Leggers. I'm your host, Jake, and this is my co-host, Already Tipsy Joel. Woo! Today, we are talking about the comedic fantasy novel, The Dungeoneers, by Jeffrey Russell. Now, Jeffrey is another Pacific Northwest guy, and he has done it all from massage therapist, being an English teacher in Korea, and a brewmaster. He spends more time thinking about dwarves than most people would find necessary. Facts. And that fucking shows. Yes. Now, The Dungeoneers is a series of four books with a fifth on the way, and Mm -hmm. it's meant to be read in any order, aka they're all standalones. But we are starting with book number one. Also, so, like who uh, who would have guessed that we have this like weird affinity for Pacific Northwest authors? I <laughs> I put it in there. I was like, we apparently got a type, dude. Incidentally, <laughs> yeah, it, it must there must be some up in the water over there where you're like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write a book about dwarves. Yeah, yeah, and chickens, dwarves, and chickens. Hell yeah. So this episode is going to be one of our special one-parters where we're going to lightly cover everything and have a discussion about the book without really ruining the ending. So some light spoilers, but we don't want to rob you of the conclusion. But first, the bookleggers are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Patreon, and even TikTok. We're most active on Instagram and TikTok, and we love making content on those platforms. We're rolling out clips from our episodes and just general notifications about the show. So to stay informed with all things Bookleggers, make sure to give us a like and a follow. Furthermore, the Bookleggers are a podcast that uses Elite2. Elite2 is a podcast creation website that new and old podcasters can use to make the process of creating a show even easier. Elite2 cleans audio as it records it, allows for easier organization of your content library, and oh yeah, you can record multiple people from afar with its call recording abilities, which is perfect for a long-distance podcast. Elite 2 takes the process of hosting easier by directly feeding into Captivate, our hosting website. Feel free to click the link in our Facebook and Twitter and our website to learn more. Also, small plug, you've heard it before. You've listened to the podcast. Now you can drink like us as well. We've rolled out our official Bookleggers Book Club pint glasses. We have pictures of our three different types on our Instagram and a link to our shop, both on our website and in our link tree. So make sure you head on over and pick up a pint to support your favorite book podcast while we're talking about pints joe what you drinking i am drinking uh my own tears after <laughs> fleck and i both died right before starting the boss fight in a zombie easter egg um but uh in reality i am drinking ready for this this is gonna this is gonna tie in you're gonna like this you ready for okay, it hell yeah let's go it's called the profit maker oh and who makes it i don't fucking know but it's got a really <laughs> cool label hell yeah all right hold on gotta it's and it's in a bottle so you know it might not be the best but let's let's see what yeah. we can get here yeah yes yeah. oh that was oh. terrible no I, I feel like for a bottle that was good okay i'll have to send you this this label too it's pretty yeah. cool send me the pick yeah you're gonna get a laugh out of mine i am drinking dead rise by flying dog brewery love it this is a beer born in the heart of crab country it is an old bay summer ale oh jesus christ Originally brewed as a blonde ale, Dead Rise has evolved into a thirst-quenching summer ale designed to turbocharge the flavor of whatever it is on your plate. Oh. And I'm a little nervous. I haven't had this before. That was clean. You're going to hate me, but that's good. 
course, listen, listeners. That's right. I hope good. I have some uh, some non-northeasterners. Hope we have some non-northeast fans in here, and just these motherfuckers in their old bay. You know, fucking Fleck or Jake, whatever he calls himself on this. Ate old bay goldfish the other day. It's just, I did. It's just out of hand. Completely out That's of a, hand. It's called a tie-in. I wanted to set you up for this, so I uh, I brought it up a little early. Also, that's really cool. Yeah, I and I also yeah, I don't know who's making that either. Yeah, okay, let me say, say you pick it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me let me see, let me see, send pics. Uh, so yeah, Flying Dog Brewery is out of Frederick, Maryland, and honestly, they're one of my favorite breweries over here on the East Coast, and they are not afraid to shake it up. I once had a it was called like Snake Pepper beer from them dog it was like a hundred percent pepper it was the most peppery drink i have ever drank in my life you could have made bloody mary out of it it was not a big beer it was like a snake bite or something like that yeah dude i wanted i didn't drink it i just i i couldn't anyway but they were they experiment a lot so if you guys are ever over there head on out and check them out so the dungeoneers is rainbow six siege the dwarven edition it's the <laughs> hobbit except they deal with w2s instead of the ringer smog <laughs> this has definitely been a first for me and especially with how dwarven a book can get yes and honestly i'm kind of here for it oh i loved yeah. it it was, it was combining a comedic take on you know a stereotypical fantasy adventure and it easily rewards you for turning the pages and this was the the this was the first short story that Fleck made to read that didn't fucking suck. I mean, I wouldn't say it was amazing. There's one plot point that I have that I think you're gonna hate me for because I think it's okay. big. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Also, they weren't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Legends of Lattes wasn't that bad. The Palace job was pretty bad. It started off so good, and then it just it fell did, so and flat. then it just fell off a cliff, <laughs> so flat, just like a dog did. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute too. <laughs> so we start out with them and the gang of dwarves, aka the Dungeoneers, and they're eating dinner around a campfire. And honestly, this whole entire chapter, I couldn't even summarize it. This just sets up everything you need to know about what's going to happen in the upcoming pages. Yep, and these dwarves are a company, and I mean, not like a, a group of adventures. I mean, in the 21st century, like they got ads and shit. Oh, hundred, yeah, they're they're well well advertised, <laughs> a well advertised business. They they have their LinkedIn on check. So no ruler wants to leave a powerful magical weapon lying about in a dungeon where just any prophesized upstart can stumble across it and use it to overthrow the kingdom. That's where the dungeoneers come in. Dungeons sacked, artifacts recovered. No job too big or too small. They're not adventurers. They're professionals. <laughs> also, really, I, I love how they make that distinction between adventurers and professionals. And it's like pretty often, too. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, they I, get offended if you call them like they're going on an adventure. And it really is funny just how they go about it. And unfortunately, we probably won't get in. We'll get into it, but we probably won't get into it the way it deserves because it's. It really doesn't come out until the end, but they are mass organized. They are to the T. They all got their mm-hmm. jobs and they know how to handle a dungeon. Mm-hmm. So right off the back, we learned that the dwarves like eating weird shit. And more importantly, that Durham, our main character, got mixed up with another man named Durham. It's like <laughs> coincidence. We're going to find out. Now, Durham is just a guard in the city of Carthor, but this isn't really that important because we don't really stay there at all. <laughs> Nope, we're never there. Never there. So the whole time he's pretty confused why he's there. (laughs) 
And upon learning that they have the wrong Durham, Thud, the leader of the Dungeoneers, immediately doesn't like it, but he figures nothing too crazy will happen because these dwarves are fucking professionals. So the reason why this whole story is starting is because the dwarves received a contract which takes Ruby, Durham, and the gang of individuals that are the Dungeoneers to the ruined kingdom of Tenahil. Tenahal. Yeah, Tenahal. To uncover a legendary mace that can raise the dead from the necromancer Alaham's crypt. I would just like to say, like, so far you were fucking killing it on the enunciation of things. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did I you listen hard. to this or did you read it? Oh, I read this one, but oh, okay. I, I took yeah, my, I, you, I took you're, my you're time. You did a good job. Google Translate now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what assumes on the journey is that we learn that all dwarves have jobs. There's a Vanguard team. There's a medic team. We have a demolitions team, you know, et cetera. And we learn somehow that this is important, but we learn that they are freely able to change sex. So basically, everybody <laughs> has a beard, regardless of who or what they identify as. Yeah, I, I didn't get, <laughs> and before I say this, you know, once again, we've said this many times on this podcast, we are very friendly to the LGBT, oh, God damn it, <laughs> yeah. LGBTQ plus, right? We we have no problems with them. Yeah. Very friendly. I, I don't see it at all why he needed to just throw in the fact that dwarves are hermaphrodites. I don't, I don't, I don't get it that. It doesn't even matter because there's no, it, <laughs> it doesn't come up at all. It doesn't even matter. Like the only thing is that there's like when the one dwarf is hanging down, she like wants to cover herself. Right. But like, A, nobody's there. She's mad that she did that because she dropped her mace. And B, there is absolutely zero romance in this. So is it funny? I think yes, because it's just a bunch of, of bearded dwarves running around. And my right. favorite part is when he's like, uh, the first time Durham ever saw someone who was thicker than he was taller. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just these short dwarves running around all bearded and hairy just doing their job plus a gnome we'll get oh well yeah we'll get there yeah so as we make our way through the to the ruined kingdom you know we learn that the elves are also pretty weird or the wood fae or whatever they're called Mm -hmm. and then i put in that the gnomes might even be weirder oh 100 percent. we also learn that durham doesn't know who his parents are and that is the type of prophetic stuff thud doesn't like this but was low-key one of my favorite scenes in this whole book. And we, really? Oh, yeah. When he was like, who's your dad? Oh, I don't know. Who's your mom? I don't know. Oh, my God, you're an orphan. And then he just like goes back like, do you have a weird birthmark? Weird, uh, <laughs> yeah, do you have like a weird way. pet that talks to you? Like just goes over like all the stereotypical things. <laughs> but it's funny because by the end of it, he does have a weird pet. <laughs> yeah, he does. But again, they are professionals and they got this. I love how when, when they have that conversation at the end of it, he's like, ah, well, it'd be too expensive to take you back. we got a business to run. <laughs> it's all about numbers, baby. It's all about that yeah. profit margin. We got we to gotta get back in there. So a bunch of fun characters come to the story as the dwarves start to begin their jobs. And there's a lot of dwarves. There's, there's a so many dwarves. I had trouble keeping them together. You know, so previously mentioned, we got Thud, who is the leader of the company. We have Gong, who's the leader of the Vanguard team. And then we got Nibbly, Dadger, Ginny, Cardamom, and there's many more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I am not exaggerating. There's a fuck ton. Yeah, so many. Uh, and then we have Ruby, who is a human scribe, who's recording the whole journey. Uh, and like I said, we got to talk about her eventually, because there's some things that aren't connecting. Okay. We got Mungo, who's the gnome, who's undercover as a dwarf. For he's no not a gnome, he's region. a dwarf. Yeah, for no logical reason. 
what is it? He's working for the CIA, right? Yeah, he worked for like the Gnome Oops. Secret Service, yeah. <laughs> the Gnome Spy Agency. And he's got a fake beard that he constantly maintains, but everybody knows he's a gnome. <laughs> right, and it's like made out of cat hair. <laughs> and by the end of it, chicken feathers. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we know he's not a dwarf, but he gets like real weird when you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we find that out when he like corners Durham and he's like, so you're, you're a guard, right? He's like, we're like the same. And he's like, I'm sorry. What? It's like, what, what's up? Durham's like, so like, what's your mission exactly? He's like, oh, I can't tell you classified classified. You understand that though, right? <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure. You get that, right? You, you get that. hundred percent. Yeah. And then we got most importantly, I think the main important character, Miss Cluck. The chicken who has survived all the BS that the dwarves put on the chicken race. Yeah. And I, you know, again, listeners, like whenever Fleck and I are reading, reading a book, really don't talk about it too much until we, we record an episode. But that was one of my things. I'd gotten like a little bit ahead and I text them. I was like, I have my favorite character already. <laughs> and then, let me tell you, when, when he said that, I was like, huh? <laughs> How do we get there? <laughs> How are we getting there? Because the only thing up in that point that I read was that they were um, they taught Durham how to like efficiently skin and you know harvest a chicken. Yeah. And meanwhile, like the that's a whole job in itself. I think um, what's his name, Gammy, the chicken yes. guy. Gammy, the chicken guy. Yeah, it was like just constantly keeping the things alive and they use them for more than just food they are the dungeon testers so they are the when they can't testers. roll a barrel through to like trigger traps they just herd the chickens in and then fucking mungo made the like helmet thing with the worm on it the amount of like detail they put into describing the like the glasses that yeah. they put on the chickens <laughs> I was it's like, just, this man probably made these at home and put on his own chickens just to see if it would work. Yep. Uh, it was it was something else. So like we said, the whole story is based around the dungeon and that there's been a king's request to clear it. However, obviously, it's more than meets the eye. As the group gets deeper in the dungeon, the plot gets thicker as well. And it turns into a hilarious skeleton-filled conclusion. <laughs> I think the one thing that we need to talk about though real quick is I loved the main antagonist Alaham. I thought he was hilarious. He he's up there with yeah, one of my favorite antagonists in a book. Just like the fact that he was funny, turned into a big boss and was done. Like he came in, did his little job, put in that work. And then left the story completely. <laughs> yeah, and he was just like super nonchalant the entire time. Yeah, and wasn't even upset about anything. He's like, oh, you're here. Thank God. This beats, I don't know how yeah. you got here, but thank but, God but you're cool. here. cool. Yeah, really helped me out. And then I also love, what are they, the Withered Men, who are just like, yeah. like before before they just chant for like six chapters in a row, <laughs> um, <laughs> when they're all meeting and they're going over like the list of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I ate that. He's like, well, you're going to have fun when we start chanting. <laughs> yeah, like, I love that meeting, like all these like, quote unquote, like powerful necromancers. And he's like having to talk to him like kids. Yeah. He's like, all right, come on. Five. And then when, why did they have to go from tallest to shortest? I have no idea. <laughs> what that have anything to do with it? 
And I love the fact that there was probably somebody in there that saw that there was a bunch of short dwarves coming out at them and was like, hey, this is fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, necromancers are for everybody, man. So I really enjoyed him as, as the main bad guy and his crew of goodies. Yes. He's pretty creative, uh, Necromancer, too. He kind of reminded me a little bit of the Gideon the Ninth book and just the fact of how creative he can be. Mm, I haven't read that yet. Oh, you should. You can listen to our miniseries on that, too. <laughs> you have a miniseries on that? Yeah, on YouTube. We only uh, have one. We only have one, though. <laughs> I need to make the other one. I'm, in, I'm doing it for like books that either I've read or I'm gonna, we're going to do it so that you do one for books you've read. Because you know how we're, we're doing all books for the first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, got to keep it. Got to keep it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Topical. So. This is where the episode's going to take its left turn from our normal format, Ooh. and it's time for our open discussion. So, the book is obviously not that deep, but it is going to give you a bunch of chuckles. So, what yes. do you think was the funniest part? I think um, A, when Durham was talking to, what's his name, Gimli, the chicken guy? Oh, yeah. And was like, hey, can we eat one of those chickens? And he's like, why would we eat a chicken? <laughs> Like we need those. <laughs> like they're they're important to us. Because um, uh, yeah, because I mean, we should talk about it. The first meal that they eat is like mole stuffed with worms. Yes, roasting on the fire. And mm. oh yeah, we we totally. Another one of the parts is when <laughs> they make waffles for the first time by just sitting on a pancake with some chain mail. Be like, yeah. look at that, it's a waffle. It and I like syrup. how. Yeah, their their whole philosophy behind that was yeah, so it, it holds the syrup better. <laughs> you're like, I mean, you're not wrong, but and then uh. I think uh, other than that, you know, the part where um, you know, slight spoiler, when they get into the main dungeon and you know the hallways start moving and they get separated, <laughs> yes, and and everyone is kind of like having like legit fights, and then Durham gets like locked in the basement with like a fucking butler. <laughs> <laughs> And almost loses. <laughs> yeah, because of the tray. Yeah. And then um, dude, when the, when when Alan's talking to him, he's like, Yeah, I don't know what that butler is, but he's normally around here by this time. <laughs> and also, which hopefully this isn't like too much of a spoiler, but just like randomly at kind of near the end when Durham's like, I think I recognize that pot. And then <laughs> Alahan's yeah. like, Who took a shit? <laughs> well, my philanthropy. <laughs> Uh, yeah that was something else i mean the way it all kind of happened was too funny and mm-hmm. once so for me my favorite community parts were gonna be so when ruby just threw the skull off the altar area so squibs would jump over the edge <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a very like thin moment for ruby in Durham's yeah. eyes mm-hmm. like Durham's like why the fuck would you do that that's a good dog <laughs> Like, that's my homie and meanwhile he's like he can see us <laughs> meanwhile it's like the 10,000 other skeletons <laughs> just watching just everywhere <laughs> uh, and then another one of my moments was when they promoted Miss Cluck to the mascot position and then the chicken guy's like outranked by me own foul <laughs> it's, cor- it's Corporal Cluck to you <laughs> yeah Corporal Cluck uh, it was um, too funny I also liked when, uh, you know, that first day, right, they like kind of make uh, make a little progress into the dungeon and they're like find jewels and stuff and like take it out. And they literally just 
you know, they boil it and then they just like throw it all in Miss Cluck's cage yeah. and make her make her sit on it to see if it will kill her with contact poison. And also, like, if you guys are smart, you would you know, did you get the Schrodinger cats reference when they're yes, doing that? Yeah, when they put the uh, the blanket the over blanket over and. Yeah, what's his name? The gnome is like trying to explain all this, and they're all like, "What do you mean? It's clearly alive." <laughs> like, I can hear it clucking, <laughs> but is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, that Mungo was just Mungo was the definition of a tin hat, though. Yes, like I would love to if the, he had his own like nuffle. I think it could it could work. Oh, he totally needs like a spinoff because, like, yeah. in my mind. So, yeah, obviously he's quote-unquote part of the Gnome Secret Service, but I feel like even the Gnomes were like, this guy's so fucking annoying. Yeah, and the, we, in my we, mind, we they created their own Secret Service, put right, him just, in there, and was like, hey, you need to go. You, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta go invade these group of dwarves. Okay, you see like, them dwarves? They're making a lot of money. You should go over there. How, how long will it be there? Oh, we don't know, man. It could, it could be years. It's it could a be deep, lifetime. Deep undercover. Deep cover. Deep ops. <laughs> Dude, fucking Mungo. I will uh, be honest. I haven't. I know. I feel like we we keep picking really good books, and this one made me laugh. Like, and that's when I know we've picked a good book. Is when I'm like looking back, and I'm like, that was ridiculously funny, right? Like, Kings of the Wild was peak comedy. This is this is close. There's a reason why yep. there's four books fifth on the way. Like, yes. So my favorite character is Thud. But I have really? an honorable mention. Yeah, I have an honorable mention. Okay. The parkour dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> he has like two scenes in the whole, the whole book. <laughs> Dude, it's like two pages of her being like, all right, I'm going to go flip on that. <laughs> I'm going to go jump off that. But that moss right there, I can grab that. My hands will be a little wet. I'm going to have enough of it to grab onto that ledge and I'm going to throw myself over. <laughs> and then yeah, she, just, she just jumps. And she falls. just eats shit. It's still like, like I was like, "Oh shit, okay, <laughs> all right, like we're we're gonna do this, all right." And, and, and then, just like even, yeah, they have that like little aside of like, yeah, we know she can't do any of the stuff that she's saying, but like she's pretty durable. <laughs> yeah, and then they get to like the main boss battle when when Alahams a giant skeleton, and she they she falls off, and they're like, "Oh, we're not worried about her." <laughs> So anyway, oh that's my honorable mention. She only had two moments, and they were absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Ugh. And I, I really liked like her last moment was she like finally shows up like late as shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, describing how she got there. And Thud's like, "Listen, I need you to run back to the top, and I need you to get the support team." And he's like, <laughs> "Don't do any of your bullshit. Just <laughs> run there." <laughs> She's like, "Fine." <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, that if her, her and the gnome could have their own book together. Yes, Mungo. Yes. Oh. All right. So, what is your favorite character? <sighs> I I think it's got to be Mungo because, like, <laughs> yeah, is his character overall absolutely ridiculous? Yes, but he's also like useful as shit. Yeah, well, he to me when he was in the dungeon, I like got like you know the hangover meme where it's like Alan with the uh, all the numbers and the math around him. <laughs> yeah. That was like what the vibe I was getting from him. Mm-hmm. It's like this dude is ridiculous, and then he starts like, but then, but it was so funny because you bring up the Schrodinger's cat, like. 
because of that, I was able to believe that he was like a high level thinker. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's actually really smart. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, that shit crazy. It was like a really nice little tie in to make you think, oh, this dude's just insane, but he's yep. really smart. Because like before that, it's just what him in the wagon. And he's like, look, I took two telescopes and put them together. And you're like, all right, this dude's a nut job. (laughs) And then, yeah, just like listen to like troubleshooting the fucking worm and the chicken problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we couldn't put the worm right over their head because they see out of the side of their eyes. But if you put it on one side, they just turn in circles. (laughs) (laughs) And then they don't go straight. (laughs) If you put one on each side, then they just stand still because they don't know where it is. It was, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely a favorite. The reason why I picked Thud, though, is, like, I love the goat laugh that he has, the quote-unquote goat, because you just get, like, random things where he's like, ha, ha, and, like, I don't know, I loved it. I love the fact that, shout-out to my name on the recording thing right now, that he has a cigar hole in his mask. <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, and, like, anybody who knows how, like, like that would completely... <laughs> That, not like, defeats me. the purpose of a mask. Yeah, I I mean, it's just too funny. I think Thud is just like, he's like a construction worker that now is in charge of the company. It's like, fuck it, let's go. We yep. ball. But like, also at the same time, like, he is like, he's a very good leader. And he once, once they like, you know, really get into the thick of it, like, he is very like methodical. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's of very methodical he, to the how plan. How he organizes everything. Yeah, they have their purpose. And and I guess we, we should give him more to do. He's really fucking good at it, too. He is very good at it. Yeah. And he runs he runs that business, goddammit. He, 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 he runs a tight crew. Tight crew. So, the book is nice for the sole fact that I think you can pick it up and everything's going to be resolved by the end of it, you know? Yep. It started off a little slow. And like I said, there were so many yeah. dwarves, it was kind of hard to keep track of them at the beginning. But once you get down into the depths of it, you know, it's pretty much the like a really great small book, mm-hmm. novella thing. So I'm curious if you thought that way. And honestly, if you had the dwarf problem, then I did too. <laughs> I think, because, right, so my issue with legends and lattes was right. Like, okay. Like we knew the overall plot point was, you know, ex mercenary, get a set up a coffee shop. And like, that's it. That's exactly what happens. There's no plot diversions that happen. There's no real side stories. There's no, no real <laughs> issues show up. But like in, in this book, obviously it's like, Hey, we're going to go to this crypt. We're going to get a mace and we're done. But there was like a wrinkle. So like, obviously you learned that the contract was a ruse just to get Durham there in the first place. So like, that's a wrinkle. And then they all get separated. Like that's a wrinkle by the bone works. I really liked it. I did too. Overall, I think, I think, yeah, there are, there are some, uh, plot point issues, but you know, it's, it's hard to be perfect in a short book. Yeah. And you know, I think that if you love D and D, you should definitely read this book. I think that that's the type of people that this book oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Resonates My little, with. My little brother's a big DD person, and I told him, I was like, This is this is what you should read. This is what you need to read. Yeah, and you can read it anywhere because you can just like pick it up, put it down, and then once you get to the ending, you're just gonna keep turning the pages till you're finished. And it's not gonna take you 300 pages to finish. So right. so it's it's really nice. I think the length is perfect. I'm actually curious as to I mean, there's there's four books of this in yeah. various stages and settings. So mm-hmm. 
it's obviously it works. It obviously right. works. Obviously, enough people like it. Yeah. But now you brought up wrinkles. So there's yeah. one thing that I need to really get off my chest. And yeah, talk get, about. Get, get, get it off, baby. Why was Ruby there? Yeah, I don't. If the contract was false and Alan yeah. didn't fucking invite her, uh-huh. why was she there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it so, made it seem. I feel like she's like a weird, like pseudo member of the party because she like brings up at some point that like, hey, remember no- when we were at this place and you know this thing happened? Yeah, yeah. So maybe she's part of that. Maybe I just overlooked it. I feel like she's like mostly there for like advertising purposes, right? Like, yeah, you know, like they're the- like trying to get like a new job, and that person's like, well, hey, how do we know you're legit? And you're like, look, we got a little little she's stripe here, written it all down. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that is. I did some digging, and so I think it's the second book. The next one is mm-hmm. actually from Ruby's perspective. So I don't know if it was supposed to be mm-hmm. like a question. That's the third book. Never mind. Overall, but anyway, I think so that was my most, one my one issue. Sorry. To overall, most of the characters are like useless. I would I would say they all have their job, and they're pretty much good at that one thing. Right. Like no, most of them aren't significant. Like Thud's a leader. Nothing really happens there. Durham is kind of a dumbass, but he stumbles his way through somehow. Right. Like also, cause I think like that's one of like my ba- main plot points is like, okay. So Durham went to this thing at the very beginning, thinking that he was just like a caravan guard. Yeah. But he was the only fucking one. Like and no, you would there, think there'd be more, right? Like you right. think, oh, there's gonna be like six of us. Like, it'll be there's, great. There's no red flag here. You think that's normal? And like to, and we could talk about it. He's the sheepgate guard, and they forget about him. So it's like the fact that you're the only one there. You're either like, ah, this is some bullshit, or this is gonna be this is a setup, right? And we find out, you know, through the book. We won't we won't talk about it, but we find out. And I didn't like. I, I guess it like serves the purpose to show that Durham has some kind of like investigative prowess, but you know, right when they get to like the farm before they like hike up to the dungeon and the farmer's there and Durham's like, Oh, well it's weird that he has new boots and like a new oh, cape. Yeah, like, yeah. What's the fucking point of that? I, I don't know. I think it's literally just to <laughs> bring it all around. So you can believe it when he's like, I remember that pot. Right. And then I and like then how when he I'll- runs back and goes and gets the, uh, the second one, but we won't talk about that because that's if there is any reason for you to read this book, it is the ending. Yes. And then also like in that scene where Durham's bringing all this stuff up and Mundo remember exactly what he says, but he's like kind of like you want to kill him. Like he's <laughs> like, what? No, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I think there's way too many dwarves. That's my other issue too. Yeah. There's way too yeah. many. Like we could have definitely made the chicken guy the same as the Vanguard team. Like we didn't need three separate Vanguard dwarfs and only talk to one. Right. I I will say it is funny when you just have the three random ones and, and Mungo just in the in the uh, the dungeon and they're like, "Well, what do we do?" And everyone's like, right. "Well, we were hoping you would say something." <laughs> and then yeah, Mungo's doing like all this like complex calculations, and they're like, "Well, like, how do you know this will work?" He's like, "Well, I don't, but I guess we're about to figure it out, aren't we?" <laughs> but we'll find it out or die. Oh yeah, it was a good book. So with that said, what do you rate it? Uh, what are we doing out of five? Out of five. I think again, I'll give it two ratings. One okay. as a 
as a book overall and uh, two as a comedic novella. Uh, as a book overall, three 3.7 out of five. Okay. And as a comedic novella, a solid 4.7. You know, I think this may be the first time that we really truly agree. I'm at I'm at the same shit. Oh, this is uh, I was going to say, and you know, if we got to do just off the comedy, it's it's up there. It's that it's that slapstick comedy that is timeless. You know, you're just like that's funny. Not trying to make a joke of something new, and I did like that too. That it was like everything. There were like obvious themes of like present day stuff, but it always came back in like a believable way, so it was perfect. Right. So I thought it was funny as shit, and it was good. Yes, it was a very good, relaxing funny read yeah one one definitely that i think we're gonna have to revisit if we're gonna revisit any of these i just want you to know that we'll be revisiting this one first well thank god i'd rather revisit this than the fucking <laughs> palace job sequel what, what was that one the prophecy con is the next one oh, there. god yeah i know well the the next book for this by the way is um, black fog island Ooh, I like the Dungeoneers take to the high seas to do what has never been done before. No, sail God. into the fog and return to tell the tale. Pirates, had... sea monsters, smugglers, merfolk, slithery tentacle things, oh God, with pointy <laughs> bits, stand between the dwarves and the most dangerous, dangerous challenge they've ever faced. Nice. Speaking of tentacles, can we talk about the monkey shit for a second? Oh my God, that was <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. He is... Be ha- obviously Alahan is like a great villain but like this yeah. little mucky is like such a perfect side boss <laughs> also it's like perfect because it really sets up like how Alahan's gonna be without without you actually realizing it when you get to like the sassy monkey even <laughs> thing. yeah you, you know what I mean and right. then the fact that he's like well no one's ever asked before but no you can't come through the door <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, but uh, no. (laughs) And when he's like, you know, and they're like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, "Mm, you can't pronounce it. So he's like, and you'll be dead in a minute. So like, it it, it doesn't really matter. matter. You just call me whatever you want. Yeah, Call me monkey. Call me monkey. He was a funky monkey. He was a funky monkey. Yeah, I was a fan. And then I even liked how he was like explaining. They're like, I thought he was a necromancer. Like, why are you here? And he was like, well, you know, the teen years. Yeah. Alahan had some confusing teen years. (laughs) He had to work through. And then, and then, cause he's like called something and then they talk about it later and they're like, oh yeah. Like the, the, you know, to to make everybody think you're a demon guy, not a bone guy. Cause no one likes the bone guys. (laughs) Right. He's like, I'm like taken aback by like a little rude. Well, so that is everything I got. You got anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I don't think so because we talked. We talked about the monkey. We talked about the funny, like little, like instruction session with all the necromancers and how the other one idiot <laughs> is like, uh, I ate my death wasps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, well, we can reanimate you later. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, I like the dog. I liked. The introduction to Allahan. Um, yeah, if anything, that was what that was really well done. Like yeah. just how you just slowly meet him, and then Durham starts putting the pieces together as you're putting the pieces together. You know, right. that mm-hmm. was fun. Honestly, in a in an embarrassing moment, I did not 
bit the pieces together at all. Oh, so it probably felt good then, though, when they were like, Alaham, and you're like, shit. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. That was so unexpected. Like, I was expecting, like, this was another one of his little teenage experiments, and he just left the skull here in the <laughs> desk. How bad would that be, though? Oh, that would suck. Like, well, I'm an anal guy. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just put the candle on my head. <laughs> now, and I think the thing that we should really iterate is Alaham, as funny and witty as he is, he's also very powerful. Yeah, all because he like found a crown that he. No. Okay, I guess Which, should, that uh, was another. Yeah, that was another thing. We yeah, that was an issue. If okay. they made it this far, they're good. <laughs> yeah. See, if that would like you, you have this big masterful plan, and it's all going to be un undone because you left your very important sentinel artifact just laying on the ground on a discarded skull. Like, mm, mm, no, that that, think, that wasn't wasn't the best plan. I think how that should have probably played out is him being like to the one of the Withermen being like, grab that fucking crown, please. Right. But also, I don't think he could trust them. So eh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't I, know. I don't know how much trust you got in a necromancy group. Yeah. And again, like I'm not I'm not seeing the purpose of the necromancers. I don't I don't really know what they did. They're just there to chant. They're just <laughs> chanting and they like pick uh, Durham up for like a minute. And then yeah. they get taken out by a dead dog. <laughs> and that's it. Well, I love, yeah. So <laughs> speaking of getting taken out by a dead dog, I love the fact that they were like hitting the wood. They're like, there really wasn't a lot of weight behind it. Like they're all things <laughs> like withered husks of men and women. <laughs> right. And they're like, yeah, close combat's not their thing. <laughs> <laughs> not their cup of tea. They're all for the summons. They're not for the, uh, the fighting. Uh, so I, you know, end of the day, Dungeoneers is a great novel. You should definitely read it, and especially if you love D anD D, I think this book is right up your alley. And if you have any questions about dwarven anatomy, hit up our boy Jeff. Yeah, hit up Jeff. He knows. He got it down. So, like we said, so this might be a little confusing, but we did this in the last episode, which was Legends of Lantes that we recorded. Uh, we said that our next book was going to be Jade City. Uh, we're saying that again. The next book will be Jade City. Next, confirmed. Yeah, confirmed. Right here first. By Fonda Lee. It's going to be a good read. And we hope you enjoyed this episode full of dwarvenisms. And for now, keep on reading. Keep reading, you nerds. You nerds. You nerds.